turned it off. There we go. Always good to turn your mic on before you come up. But, uh, and I'm thankful for uh, our executive pastor, Jennifer, and our entire team. So uh, just we have the best team <clears throat> in the world. You can open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 24 today, and we are going to spend some time talking about the end times. I saw this meme this week uh, on Facebook, and I thought it was pretty funny that uh, we're living in some pretty crazy days, right? It feels like uh, the book of Revelation is unfolding right before us. And we've been in a, a series uh, really for a while now talking about the Holy Spirit. We want to continue to talk about the Holy Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit, uh, life in the Spirit. And so we'll continue teaching on that in the School of the Spirit on our first Tuesday. And, and we'll get back to it uh, at some point. But I really felt the Lord... Uh, leading us, at least today and, and maybe in the weeks ahead, to talk about the end times, to take a little deeper dive into what's happening in our world around us. And so uh, that we would know what's taking place in the world. And uh, Karl Barth, who's probably one of the most influential theologians of the last century, uh, in a Time Magazine article um, not quite a hundred years ago, but a while ago, he said this, that take your Bible <clears throat> and take your newspaper and read both, but interpret newspapers from the Bible. See, what's happening in our world is actually talked about in Scripture. So what I want to do is I want to look at some Scriptures today and, and maybe even in the weeks to come, and, and I want you to know that what happens all around us, God knows, and he is future focused, like he's looking ahead uh, to the end of time. He is, he is at work right now doing something in our world, and, and we, can, we can know that through reading his word. One in every 30 verses in the Bible, one in every 30 verses in the Bible uh, talks about the return of the Lord or the end of time. In the New Testament, there's 216 chapters, and in those 216 chapters, the Lord's return or the end of the world is talked about over 300 times. So over 300 verses in the 216 chapters are about the return of Christ. And so when we look at the world in which we live, and I've had more questions these last few weeks about, is this it? Are we in the end times? What are we supposed to do? And, and I want to talk about our crazy world, because it's crazier than ever. And you see what's happening in Israel and what that could trigger, and, and is, are we at the beginning of World War III? And oh yeah, there's an election coming up and all these other things. Like, what is going to happen? I heard this statistic this week, and this one actually surprised me, because they polled Americans. Now, this is not Christians or people who go to church. Just across America, they polled people about the end times, and what was shocking is that over half of Americans, now again, not church-going people, but half of Americans believe in the return of Christ. They believe in an antichrist. They believe in a judgment day. I was like, wow, that, I mean, that means God must have put something inside of us that even though we don't know him, that, that we know that we will stand before him someday. And so God is speaking through his word, and he does in so many different ways. And a lot of times we jump to the book of Revelation, because a lot of people are like, let's look at Revelation, let's see how it unfolds. And we may do that, but not today. 
Because Revelation isn't the only book that talks about the return of Christ. And sometimes when you dive into the book of Revelation and you dive deep, it, it's confusing pretty quickly. But, but there's other books like First and Second Thessalonians. And Paul is talking to uh, church, probably the first letters that Paul writes are the, the Thessalonians. And he's writing about the day of the Lord. And that's like halfway through your New Testament. You can read both and probably... 20 minutes to 30 minutes, but, but he says this in 1 Thessalonians 4.13. Brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. And, and so as he's teaching about the day of the Lord, what has happened here is that, that um, some of the Christians had fallen asleep. They had died before the return of the Lord, and they were like, uh-oh, you know, did they miss the second coming because they're already dead? What happens to them? Are they lost? And, and I love what Paul says. Look at that first part of the verse. He says, I don't want you to be uninformed. In other translations, it says, I don't want you to be ignorant. And, and I, I want you to realize that the reason I'm teaching on this, and, and it may be more of a teaching today. I don't know how long we'll go today. We may pick it up next time. But this idea of, of I don't want you to be uninformed. I want you to know what is happening and what is coming. And so what I'm going to talk about before we get to Matthew 24, because in Matthew 24, this is what Jesus says about the end times, because it's important to see what Jesus said about the end times. But before we get to that, I'm going to, I'm going to share something with you. And what I'm about to share with you for the next couple minutes might be the most important thing today. And that's this, that there is so much going on right now in the spiritual realm that we don't see. And we have to be aware that there is things happening that is bringing about the return of the Lord and it's all behind the scenes. It says in 2 Corinthians 4.18, so we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. The next chapter over, he's going to say, we walk by, by faith, not by sight, that there is something happening in the spiritual realm, and this is so important for us to understand. Because we watch the news, and we can see with our eyes, there's bad things happening, right? But there's something bigger going on. If you want to read about spiritual warfare, there's a lot in the Bible about spiritual warfare, but probably the most familiar passages come from Ephesians chapter 6. And, and I love the book of Ephesians because it's so powerful. And again, it's a book you can read probably in 15, 20 minutes if you just sat down and read through it. But in chapter 6, he talks about spiritual warfare. He talks about the armor of God and all of those things. And, and look at verse 12 with me. It'll be on the screen. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against spiritual forces in the heavenly realms. So our battle, see a lot of times we watch the news and we, we say that person is our enemy or those people are our enemy or that group is our enemy or that party is our enemy. And so we, we attach the, the, the reference of enemy to the things we can see and God says, no, it's not flesh and blood. There is, there is a principality and a power and all of these powers at work. That's your enemy. Your brother, your sister, they're not your enemy. The enemy, the devil, is your enemy. And so when we think of 
like, like the enemy, when we think of the devil, we, you know, we think of the, the pitchfork and the horns and the tail and everything, but, and we think he's so evil and he's going to get us. And, 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 and here's the thing. The enemy is a liar, okay? He's an angel of light, okay? He, he's, he's much more deceptive than like a direct attack. He, he's, he, he, he's, yes, he's out to steal, kill, and destroy, but he's going to do it subtly. And, and, and the devil's name, you know what it actually means? It's accuser. Accuser. The enemy is an accuser, and I believe in the world in which we're living right now in the end times is that accusation is his greatest weapon. That he's, he's using accusation as his greatest weapon. We're seeing it play out in real time. Let me, let me give you an example. People are going after Israel, like they're accusing them, right? There's this accusation accusing them. Or we're accusing Hamas. Or there's this accusation and, and the enemy is turning people towards each other. And he's like, let's watch everybody fight. And he's, he's playing this all like, we're, we're like pawns in this game. If we, got, if we get caught up in the accusations, if we get caught up in what people say about us, and, and, and so we have to be careful because here's what the enemy is going to try to do. The enemy is going to try to get people to turn on each other. If you don't believe me, wait till next year when we're in the middle of an election. The enemy is going to try to turn people against each other. He's going to try to turn the church against other people in the church and the church against the world and people against Israel. He's just going to, that's his weapon. You have to realize this is a spiritual war that we're fighting, and that's why we don't wrestle in flesh and blood. We get on our knees and we pray. That's what Jesus says. He says, watch and pray, because he wants to do something from heaven to bring it to earth. He's got something that he wants to birth. And what happens is sometimes when we pray, because we're praying for peace, right? We're praying, Lord, show yourself. Lord, save Hamas. Lord, somehow, some way, turn this around for good. Because everything is going to turn around for good, right? I mean, he promises it in his word, so you know he's going to turn it around. God, I don't know how you're doing that, but God, I'm praying for peace. I'm praying for your goodness. I'm praying for your salvation. And we're praying for those things. And sometimes when we start praying for those things, the enemy starts stirring up even more. And, and, and your prayer for peace could, lead, could lead to World War III because you're steering something up in the spiritual realm. And if we all started praying, if we all started going to our knees, who knows what's going to happen? But the enemy wants to go to war. The enemy's ready to go to war. I'm going to give you an example. So this is more of a pastoral link. So this is an example for you. This is how this works. Have you ever decided in life, you know, I'm going to I'm going to go to church more. I'm going to be in the Word more. I'm going to pray more. And as soon as you do that, every attack starts coming against you. Your schedule starts getting busy. Your mind starts, like, like as soon as you say, okay, God, I'm following you, the enemy unleashes on you, right? Because something happened in the spiritual realm when you submitted yourself to Christ, when you say, you know what, I'm going to work on my marriage, I'm going I'm to love my wife, I'm going to love my husband, then all hell breaks loose in your home, right? Yeah. I, Leslie and I, and it took us a while to figure this out, 
But, but uh, like, I think it was like on Friday or Saturday morning, we'd get into these arguments that were the stupidest arguments in the whole world, and, and we'd get hurt and all this other stuff, and we realized, like, it was this eye-opening experience that the, the enemy was trying to divide us before the weekend. That, that the end, and so now it's like, now when it happens, like, oh, devil, you're so stupid. Like, you know, you're not, you're not going to get in between us, right? You're not going to, you're not going to, because there's a spiritual realm. There's spiritual things happening. As soon as you say, I'm doing this, you, you, you're going to battle, but you're not going to battle with another person. You're going to battle against the enemy. The enemy is here to steal, kill, and destroy. And he's going to do it through accusation. He's going to do it through hurt. He's going to do it through turning people on and against each other. And so, um, just to give you an example from God's word, Daniel chapter 10, I'm sorry, we'll get to Matthew 24. Keep your Bibles open, sorry. Okay, let me look at the clock. Okay, we're good. So, we'll get there in just a moment. Keep it open because we'll do more verses there. But in Daniel chapter 10, um, there's, here's a picture of what I'm talking about from a biblical example. So, Jerusalem's in trouble. Daniel hears about it. And he says, I'm going to fast and pray for a breakthrough in Jerusalem. And so he, he fasts and he prays, and, and Daniel's a prayer. We know that, right? I mean, man of God praying. And that first week, nothing. Second week, nothing. Third week, nothing. And, and, and he's praying and praying and praying. And, and then an angel shows up to him, and, and we can pick it up here in verse 12. Then he continued, this is the angel talking, do not be afraid, Daniel, since the first day you set your mind to gain understanding and to humble yourself before God, the first day you started praying, your words were heard, and I have come in response to them. But the prince of the Persian kingdom, now this prince is not a physical prince, it is a spiritual, a demonic prince, resisted me 21 days. Then Michael, one of the chief princes, again, not princes, but angels, archangel, chief angel, came to help me because I was de uh, detained there by the king of Persia. Again, not a king, but a demonic uh, entity. And, and so what, what's happening here, a couple things. One, Daniel's prayers were heard. Listen, I want you to get this. They were heard the first moment he prayed them. From the first day you prayed, Daniel, I heard you. God heard you, and he sent me. But there was ha things happening in the demonic and the spiritual realm. Now, just for our teaching moments, there are, there are angels and there are demons, and sometimes we don't think about them. They're all throughout Scripture, especially taught about in the New Testament. And, and so it just, we just live in a world where it's more scientific and it's the things we can see. But there's something happening that we don't even see. There, there's so much going on. And angels and demons aren't like God. They're not like the Holy Spirit. Like, like when you, God is omnipresent, omnipotent. He can do all things. Uh, angels are created beings. They can't be everywhere. They don't have all power. They, they, and, and so this war that's taking place between the, the answer to prayer and, and, and the demonic fight, you know, that's going on. And then when, when they weren't getting that breakthrough, God released Michael, the archangel, to come in, the warring angel, the strong one, just like, all right, let him through, you know, just and, and, and kind of bulldoze through, and, and the angel got through, and this got done. So, so there's things that are happening. Sometimes we pray for our world. We pray for our family. We pray for this situation and that situation. We're like, God, are you hearing my prayers? 
I've been praying forever. I've been fasting forever. He heard you the day you started praying. But there's an enemy out to steal, kill, and destroy. There's demonic forces that want to stop what God is going to do because he's going to work it for good. He's at work, and we have to keep praying, and we have to keep fasting. We have to keep believing because the end is coming, and God will win, but there's a lot to happen in the meantime. And so, again, we have to realize that we have to keep praying. And what if all believers just started praying, Maranatha, Lord Jesus, come quickly. Jesus, come and, and show yourself to this world. Come and reveal yourself. Come bring the revival that we long for. So I wanted to talk about that before we look at what Jesus says. So you have your Bibles, Matthew 24. We're going to just kind of dive into this passage uh, today as much as we can. And, and then we'll open up and we'll do timelines and other things in the weeks to come. But in Matthew 24, it's Jesus talking about the end times. And so I want to see, what does Jesus say about this? Obviously, there's other books of the Bible, First, Second Thessalonians, for instance. Jesus here in Matthew 24, <coughs> excuse me, in 25. He also talks the same teaching in Mark and in Luke, but it's just a little longer in, in um in Matthew, so that's why I chose it a little more in depth. And so um, Jesus is talking with the disciples. So we're going to pick it up at verse 3. Uh, so if you have your Bibles, keep it open to verse 3. I'm reading out of the NIV. Um, and if you want, you can look at the screen as well. But here it is. As Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately. Tell us, they said, when will this happen? What will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? So the disciples are asking When's the end coming? Jesus answered, watch out and that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name claiming I am the Messiah and they will deceive many. You will hear wars and rumors of wars, but see to it that you are not alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom and there will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of the birth pains. Then you will be handed over to, the, and to be persecuted and put to death, and you will be hated by all nations because of me. At that time, they, many will turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other. And many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. But the one who stands firm to the end will be saved." And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. So what does Jesus say in this passage of Scripture? I know it's a long one that we just read, but you can highlight certain things in there, um, and, and, and I've highlighted them here in my Bible. So there are negative things that are associated with this coming, and there's some positive things that are associated with this coming. So some of the negative things that I wrote down is there's going to be religious deception. That's one thing. There's going to be a great falling away. I think we're, we're seeing that, right? I mean, how many people uh, you know that are deceived? I, I think of people that I grew up in, in youth group with a long time ago. I thought they'd never walk away from God, and they've walked away from God. There's, there's going to be floods and earthquakes, these natural disasters. There's going to be strife and famines and wars and ruins of wars, terrorism, worldwide chaos, and it's going to feel like the end times. It's going to feel like everything's coming apart. And what we're going to notice as we study the end times, and I want you to realize this, that everything 
all of these things that we're talking about when the end is coming, this hatred, uh, this war, all of these things are going to surround the nation of Israel. All of these things surround the nation of Israel. And, and so what we have to realize is that, 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 that we have to stand with Israel. And I'm going to explain why. Israel is God's chosen people. Okay? I've had more criticism. Again, this is the accusation part of it. I've had more criticism this week than ever before because of some stands that I've taken. And the reason I stand with Israel, number one, they're not perfect. They don't do everything right. I get it. I get it. However, they're God's chosen people. And, and he has an everlasting covenant with his people. There's, there's I don't want to use the word demonic because I don't want to be, yeah, no, I don't want to do that because um, I don't want to divide because we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. But there are some Christians who believe that the church has replaced Israel, that we're, we're now the children of God. They kind of lost out. They messed up, and now we're in. But man, as I read the New Testament, I don't see that at all. I see Jesus says, I have come for the lost sheep of Israel. I see it all throughout the book of Acts. I see it in books like Ephesians and Hebrews. Man, Romans 9, 10, and 11, you start reading, especially chapter 11. Look, they are cho God's chosen people apart. They're attached. They're, they're the real limbs to the vine. We're just grafted in as Gentiles, right? Uh, thank you, God, for grafting me in. Like, we should be thankful. God, just, you put us in. Thank you. Thank you, God. But he has an everlasting covenant with his people. And if God says it's everlasting, it's everlasting. And here's, this is what blows my mind. In Romans chapter 11, he says, all Israel will be saved. And I'm like, well, how's that going to be? That's not up to me. That's up to God, Right? So I don't, I don't worry about that, but I do say these are God's children. Everything in this world, everything in the end times is going to revolve around the nation of Israel. The wars, the rumors of war. And I just want you to keep your eyes open. Now, we don't pray that, you know, everybody dies and all these, you know, like, I'm not, again, I'm not saying every, that Israel does everything perfect. I'm just saying they're the children of God and we stand with them. And, and here's the thing, we're Christians, we make mistakes, right? You know, that, that happens, but, but God still loves us, and God still is on our side. And, and so, um, yeah, anyway, there's going to be worldwide chaos, and it's going to surround Israel, and you're going to be attacked for standing with Israel. And I'm not telling you what you have to do, I'm just telling you what the Bible says, but we're going to be attacked if the church stands with Israel. America will be attacked if we stand with Israel. But I'm noticing a lot of people who aren't standing with Israel right now. And, and I just want to tell you, we, we need to realize the covenant that God has with his people. And, and we got to pray a blessing upon his people. we got to pray that their eyes would be open to the Messiah, Jesus. I pray that, that the, I've been praying that every terrorist's eyes be open to who Jesus is, that they would have supernatural encounters in their dreams. And, and that's happened. I mean, there's, there's books about it, right? So um, anyway. That's the negative side of what Jesus says. So there's going to be wars. It's going to be bad and, and all of those things. Here's some positive things that Jesus says. He says that the whole world will hear the gospel. 
that tells me that there's some type of revival that happens around the world. And, and just so you know, that revival's already started. Now you say, well, I don't see a revival in my neighborhood. Yep, I'm telling you, you travel to some places in the world and they can't build churches big enough, fast enough. I mean, you look at, at South America and, and Africa and Asia and, and, and the underground church in China and all these places, like God is moving, right? People are getting saved. And, and so this worldwide revival takes place. I, my brother-in-law, um, they were uh, missionaries in Africa for years, but he was a pretty big deal in Whitcliffe. And Whitcliffe are the Bible translators. And they translate the Bible into every tribe and tongue. They've been working very hard and working with some other organizations to see the Bible translated in every tribe and tongue. When I first met Steve, he told me, within 50 years, we'll have the, uh, we'll have the Bible translated into every tribe and tongue. Then, a couple of years later, he said, in 25 years, we'll have it done. And I'm like, 25? You just told me 50. He's like, he's like Daryl, you not believe what's going on. The last time he talked... He said, I think it's going to be months or weeks because of the computer programs and the different things they can use nowadays, that it's, it's sped up in all the cooperation. It's, he goes, we're going to have the Bible in every tribe and tongue by next year. Like there's something happening. And, and I'm not saying that when the Bible's translating all the things, everybody will know, but that's part of it, right? Jesus says, when you see these things happening, and there is persecution and a lot of bad things that I, we talked about, do you know? that the fastest growing church in the world is in the country of Iran. The country that's funding the Hamas terrorists. The, that, the greatest, fastest growing underground church is in Iran. So I'm telling you, things are happening. Things are beginning to speed up. And it's like, am I saying Jesus is coming back tomorrow? Maybe. I mean, I don't know. I don't know, but I know things are starting to come together that is told about in Scripture. And when we, in Jesus says, when you see these things, you're in birth pains, you're in labor pains. And what happens when you start having these contractions closer and closer together? You better get ready, right? Uh, you know, you better get to the hospital. You better, I mean, you better get going because I'm telling you, that baby's coming. And then some people are in labor for a long time. Is this baby ever coming? Trust me, that baby is coming. You better be ready, right? Like, you better be ready because that baby's coming. And that's what's happening in our world. That's what Jesus is saying, that it's coming. And, and here's the thing. Like, we, we, we live our lives, and it feels like, I don't know about you, but it feels like just when I'm getting comfortable, the world kind of explodes, right? Like, we're just, we're kind of getting used to this new normal and all this. And then all of a sudden, and it's kind of like Jesus is, is just reminding us, hey, this world isn't your home. And, and I'm coming back to make all things new. So if, if you're starting to get a little too comfortable and then your life blows up, it's just a reminder there's so much more than what we see. There's so much more than what we have now. God has big things. It's like, yeah, don't get too comfortable. And when you think, oh, my goodness, Kids are coming in. We're going we're gonna to have something special at the end of service. So I, I asked if they could come in toward the end of service. They just didn't know I was going to preach so long today. Sorry about that. So, Aren't they cute? Say hi to our kids. Hey, kids. I love Logan. I'm just going to say that right now out loud. That's a good kid right there. 
Um, if you get worried about what's happening in the world, um, this quote from A.W. Tozer, I'm seeing it all over Facebook, when it looks like things are out of control behind the scenes, there's a God who has never surrendered his authority. God's working, and he's going to bring about the end of time, and, and so it, he's, he's at work in the heavenlies that we don't even see. <clears throat> Look at 2 Timothy 3. But mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure, rather than lovers of God. And so Paul says, when the end is coming, that's what's going to be going on in this world. Jesus says, when it's the end of the world, when you see these things, be ready. Mark says, watch out in Mark 13, and watch out. And that watching out isn't like, ooh, watch out, be scared. No, watch out. Think about these things. You've got to, you've got to realize what is happening, because if you don't watch, you're going to panic every time you turn the TV on. He, he says, I want you to watch. I want you to pray. I want you to realize what I'm doing. Let's begin to pray like Daniel. We need, I'm going to wrap this up since our kids are with us, but I, I don't want to wrap it up before before this verse, um, Psalm 20, verse 7. Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. Just keep that on the, the screen for a moment. Sometimes as Americans, because we do have a, a great military, right? Strong. We have weapons. We have first responders in our cities that we support that help keep the peace. We, we are blessed, right? We, we are blessed because we're, and we think we're so strong and so many, or we see what Israel has and, and the Iron Dome and they can, they can wipe out this group of people or that, or they, you know, they're so strong, we're so strong and we don't, we really don't know what it's like to have war in our neighborhood, but, but we feel so invincible and, and uh, I love this verse because it's like, I don't want to trust in my strength or the strength of my nation I want, to, I want to trust in the name of the Lord our God. Like, don't, don't fall into this trap. Oh, well, we're so strong. Nothing can hurt us. <laughs> it could happen like that. Listen, don't trust in your strength, in your might, in the might of our nation, in the might of Israel. Trust in the Lord. Trust in the Lord. That's our only and, and so when these things begin to happen, just realize the end is coming. Just to recap before we pray today, bad things are coming. They are coming, but don't let it consume you. Jesus said, this is what's going to happen. I'm going to be with you. All of these things, like it's bad things are happening. Don't let it consume you. Here's, here's, this is really important. People are going to hate you. They're going to accuse you. People are going to hate you. Listen to me. This is so important. People are going to hate you, but as followers of Jesus, we don't get to hate them back. We never get to hate them back. We love like Jesus loved. They might be out to kill, steal, and destroy, and the enemy's doing things, and the, and the, the only person you get to hate is the devil. And, and, and the principalities and the powers. And, and so You don't get to hate your brothers and sisters. We don't get to hate this group or that group. We pray for that group. And, and, and again, they're going to hate you, but you, you love and you pray that his will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. Focus, here's, here's the last one, and you'll, I didn't have time to go into this, it's in 
uh, in First Second Thessalonians, some of the people were waiting for Jesus to come, so they kind of just sat there waiting for Jesus to come. They literally sat and waited for Jesus to come. That's where Paul has to say, uh, he has to finally say, hey, if you don't work, you don't eat, right? Like, just like you got to keep working until Jesus comes. But a lot of times we're like, man, the world's so bad. Whew. I'm just going to hide out till he comes back, right? I'm just going to, I'm just, you have a call on your life today. I'm, I'm called to be a husband, I'm called to be a father, I'm called to be a pastor, I'm called to be a friend. I'm, I'm called, and I need to be active in what I'm doing. The, the, Matthew 25, if you just read the next chapter over, it's like, do you have oil in your lamp? The parable of the ten virgins. Are you using what God gave you? The parable of the talents. Are you ready? The sheep and the goats. Are you doing what you're supposed to do? Don't stop doing what you're called to do because God's placed that on your life. You will be a witness of the coming kingdom through your life, through your marriage, through your family, through your work. You are showing the world what it looks like to not despair but to live with life and hope in the midst of a world that's falling apart. Don't stop. You have something you're called to do for Jesus. And if you get scared, just watch and pray. Watch and pray. Let's pray today, but before we do, the verse that we ended in Matthew 24, 13, but the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. Stand firm. Don't give up. Bow your heads and your hearts with me today. Jesus, thank you for your word. You didn't want us to be ignorant or uninformed about the end of the age. So you tell us, and, and uh, Lord, we can read it and get scared, or we can read it and get excited. And today we choose to um, do what you said, and that's to watch and to pray. That you would fill us with hope, that we wouldn't grieve, as it says in First Thessalonians, as some do, but that we would have hope in the future, the hope that you're coming again. And God, we don't have it all figured out, and uh, Lord, we, we pray, as you say in your word, you desire all people to know you. That is our prayer. Lord, we just pray that every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that you are Lord. And, and Lord, we, we know that as we're praying now that we are unleashing things in the heavenly realms, but Lord, we're not just unleashing demonic things. We're, we're unleashing angelic things. And, and God, you're bringing your plan about. God, you win. We know that. And so, Lord, may we walk in your victory even now. May we have hope in your victory even now. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. I just, um, if you're here today, and you're not ready for Jesus to come back. You just feel far from him, or maybe you've never bowed your knee to him. I'm just going to ask you to surrender your life to Jesus. Our sin is what separates from us from him, but he died on a cross for your sin. All of your sin. Past, present, future. You are saved by grace. So repent of your sin, ask him to forgive your sin, and invite him 
to lead your life. Stop leading your own life today and allow him to lead your life. He wants to bring you into an eternity with him where we will rule and reign with him, where, where there will be no more dying, no more death, no more tears. We will be who we were created to be and uh, we'll be with him forever. God, I pray that every heart would know you today. Come quickly, Lord Jesus, we pray. Amen. 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 If you decided to follow Jesus, best decision you ever